From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and uh, based on feedback, I decided to uh, try to do this podcast entirely unscripted, and uh, then subsequently decided I definitely should keep at least the introductory read-in scripted. Uh, so joining me today is Fox Sports' and NFL Network's Peter Schrager. Peter's one of the hosts on uh, Good Morning Football on NFL Network, Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Good Morning Football recently moved uh, to a new Times Square studio at NFL Experience, and uh, though Peter didn't hear this part when we were taping it live, in its first week in its uh, new studios, GMFB premier telecasts were up 35% uh, with adults 18 to 49, and uh, up 28% overall, so they're off to a good start. Peter, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Last time I came on, we had a blast, and I'm here to do it again. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I-, I wanted to ask you this because I, I talk to a lot of people who uh, who complain about studio uh, cost and that and that kind of thing, but you just moved into a new studio, and I never really asked talent, like, uh, what's it like to work in a new studio? What do you like? What do you not like, maybe? And uh, what, what's the uh, what's the best part of the new dig so far? It's really cool. So we were in the CBS Broadcast Center for our first two seasons as a show, which is on 57th and 11th, but basically the West Side Highway in Manhattan. Uh, we just recently moved to Times Square, 47th and 7th, which is more in the middle of Manhattan, and it's at the NFL Experience, Robert. So the NFL Experience, trying to explain it for people who have never been there, but kind of like, and, I, and they might be, you know, against this comparison, but you know, like Dave and Buster's or Chuck E. Cheese, they're one of those places where you go and you can play games and have fun. Well, it's that, but it's, it's NFL themed. And they opened it last year, and it's a partnership between the NFL and I think Circus Delay. And they basically had this great space. We were in this studio that we loved and it was a home for the first two years but then something came about where mark quinzel from the nfl network suggested to us you know why don't we get more of a Times square new york feel to this thing because we didn't have any access to the outside we, we we were in manhattan doing our show from 57th street but we might as well have been in topeka kansas or el paso texas or wherever because we were in our own little studio with no access to the outside now We've got the windows of the world, and it's basically we're out there like we're Total Request Live or Good Morning America. So we love it. We feel the energy. It's kind of cool. And uh, from a personal level, to have it, to say I'm one of the hosts of the show that films at a Times Square, I mean, I would have signed up for that any day a couple of years ago, and it, it means that things are on the up and up. So in in uh, in terms of the uh, the new studio and, uh, and 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 getting some uh, really great ratings, I will. Uh... I'll add the the info into the the podcast description, but but basically your your first week there, uh, you you know you were up across all the uh, all the important metrics like adults eighteen to forty nine, and uh, you've gotten some love. Uh, you know I I know I'm not the only one who's a big fan of your show. Uh, you have you have gotten some love in the media from uh, from Jimmy Traina and uh, and some other folks. So so what's it like to be on a uh, you know on a on a kind of a hot if, if not uh, on fire, uh, you know, with people worrying about your salaries, like, say, get up. But you're on, you're on a morning show that uh, people care about. What's that like for you? Yeah, and that people like and watch. We have a pretty good fan base of engaged viewers, and we know that because of social media. We've got the same people, uh, you know, almost like an army. They call themselves the GMFB fam, <laughs> hashtag. But we know that there's return viewers. 
And people aren't just watching us because it's on. People are watching it because they want to watch it, which means a lot. I think what feels good is the feedback we get. Now, you mentioned Jimmy Trainer, who's, who's a sports media writer at Sports Illustrated, but you know Dan Wetzel is one of the most respected yep. Yahoo uh, you know, writers here. Bill Simmons tweeted at our show and said, yep. this is a show that people should be talking about. So whereas we might not be getting the mainstream New York Times or the athletic you know, you know, big profile on what makes good morning football tick or whatever it is, we get it organically. We're not pitching Bill Simmons. Trust me, he's not going out of his way to praise the NFL Network, and we're not pitching Dan Wetzel. And then for me personally, I almost look at our show in a way as like a trade magazine. And let me explain that. As someone who's probably worked in that, in that world, the NFL is a very close-knit community as far as there's 32 teams, there are 52 players on each team, and there are you know, organizations. I know for a fact that our show – is on the television screen in all 32 of those buildings. And when these players work out on the treadmill, they're tweeting at us, whether it was Des Bryant and Odell Beckham working out together, and it's our show in the background in their Instagram yep. posts, or it's Ron Rivera live tweeting our show, responding to something that I'm saying. Yep. I know that our words matter. And it's not just one of those deals where, okay, I wake up in the morning. My routine is to watch sports center. I'm going to turn it on. Oh, it's this other morning show. I'll leave it on. No, people have to go find the NFL network. They have to go seek us out. And really, the coolest deal, our ratings are up in the offseason. We're going up against the NBA playoffs. You mentioned Get Up. Jalen Rose is a former NBA basketball player. Michelle Beadle hosts their NBA show. Mike Greenberg did NBA for years. And our football show in the middle of May is putting up great ratings that are going up and up. That's a testament to not only the 24-7 nature of of the world of football, but also that people are returning and watching and choosing to seek out us as a show, not just. Eh, it's NFL season. Let's just put on the NFL Network as window dressing. Yeah. So, uh, from from your perspective, like, uh, what, what do you in New York? Like, what are you more recognized for? Are you more recognized for being a sideline reporter for Fox Sports, for Good Morning Football, or maybe for being like the the Mike Francesa guy? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, first of all, if you've been to New York, you know this. No one gives a crap about anyone in New York, so I don't get stopped <laughs> in New York. I'll go on the subway and, and no one bothers anyone. I don't care if you're George Clooney or if you're uh, Odell Beckham. No one's stopping. In New York, people have places to go. The place where I'll get stopped is airports and at NFL stadiums. And, and I think the most recognizable thing is good morning football. And it's because it's on three hours a day and people are waking up to us, which is that. But uh, the Mike Francesa thing is good, too. I was going on for Francesa on Fridays the last two seasons. And locally in New, in New York – if I do get recognized, a lot of times it's Schrager. I love you on Francesa. It's not Good Morning Football or, or I love you on the sidelines. People listen to Francesa. Yeah, so uh, I, I know you like to dish on sports media a little bit. So uh, I, I don't, I don't want to get you riled up into a frenzy. But I, I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on uh, when, when you see, you know, not just people in the NBA, but uh, NBA fan Twitter and uh, NBA sports media Twitter just really lavish praise on the NBA and, and mock the NFL. How does that make you feel? And, and what is your reaction to that? I don't personally feel anything, but if you can find me uh, 10 guys in a room or 10 gals in a room and nine of them can say that they watch regular season, I'd be really impressed. I think the NBA playoffs are amazing. The NBA finals are going to be good. I thought that Western conference finals were tremendous. I watched them all, but I mean, I'm hard-pressed to, to pat the NBA on the back for their regular season product. I, I can't find many people who care about a Denver Nuggets, uh, 
you know, Charlotte Bobcats game in the middle or whatever team they are now in the middle of the season if you're not one of those fans. So to me, the NFL regular season, if you put Browns Bengals on on a Thursday night, I know 10 out of 10 people that I talk to and that I deal with are watching that game. So look, the ratings (laughs) tell a pretty good story. And I think the NBA regular season product is pretty terrible, to be honest. Uh, so I don't know if I, I don't know if I would go that far, but you know what? I, I am also a guy who was, is very, very happy to get, uh, to get Warriors Cavs five, uh, four, uh, season four of that. And, uh, I know there are a lot of people who are saying enough of this already. We will see, but, uh, uh, sticking, sticking with, uh, picking on, on the NBA a little bit, maybe. So my first reaction as a, as a longtime Washington Redskins fan, uh, to the Brian Colangelo news about the 76ers and his burner accounts was how how did the red my Washington Redskins escape any kind of stuff like that because it seemed like of any team in the in all of sports if I could have predicted one it would have it would have been the Washington Redskins but nope it wasn't and it wasn't a team from the NFL uh, it was it was an NBA team I and and I know you I know you that was all over your Twitter feed. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on what happened with the uh, 76 I don't know. I do know that a lot of uh, people around the NFL do have Twitter accounts. I wouldn't call them burner accounts. I don't know any of them that were tweeting out personal and medical information about players. I don't <laughs> right. think that's happening. My big take, and I tweeted this to, uh, I believe, Blake Travis who tweeted something out. My take was, all right, we've got this amazing investigative story from the ringer, and I kudos to those guys. I love it that they were pounding the pavement and they waited on the story and waited till the day of the NBA Finals to release it. That's good journalism. They did the work. But somewhere in that story, there's this, there's a, one tip them off and has been monitoring this. This person has artificial intelligence background training. I want to know who Deep Throat is. I want to know who the smoking gun is because we've caught now, from what I gather, Brian Colangelo. But to me now, the mystery is who's the source? And I know in great journalism, you never reveal your source and you never want to go down that road of outing sources but that's fascinating to me who put it all together and did this analysis of five different twitter feeds over eighty thousand tweets or whatever it is and said okay this could be the same person wait a second <laughs> they're following the university of, of chicago basketball team wait a second they're following a woman who attended a gala with her husband and it was crazy crazy research and oh you could speculate that it could be just a diehard Sixers fan or it could be someone with an ax to grind or whatever. To me, that's the magic of this story that there's still more to tell as bizarre as it is. And, and I love that crap. Yeah. So uh, me, me too. And I, I guess the, uh, you know, there, there are, there are two camps. One, one camp is the, uh, the only, the only happy ending is if uh, Sam, Sam Hinkey is rehired. And the, the other camp is the only happy ending is, is revealed that, that he was the source for the, uh, for the ringer story. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I wonder like how much, cause, cause your, your show makes a ton of pop culture references. How much pop culture, are you winding up, you know, looking into that you might not look into if 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 you weren't involved yeah. with the our, Daily our TV show? Our show does pop culture. I want to be clear with this. Our show does pop culture, but it's on the nose pop culture. It's not inside baseball pop culture. What I mean by that is you don't have to follow the Billboard charts to get our references. Our references are to Sam Malone and Cheers and George Costanza <laughs> and Seinfeld and maybe a 90s hip-hop song by Belle Biv DeVoe. We're not... <laughs> We're not trying to bang you over the head with, you know, here's the latest, you know, diss track by Pusha T and the lyric here. Like, we're not trying to, to get too in the weeds. But I would say 
we're four people who are very well versed in just minutia of everything pop culture wise. So if Kyle makes a reference to the bachelor, I can bounce off of him because I watch the bachelor as well. If Kay makes a reference uh, to Wilson Phillips, Kyle will finish that with a, with a lyric from the song and Burleson is the ultimate pop culture whiz. He has seen every movie, knows every line of every movie. So the same kind of feeling it is when like you read a Bill Simmons article and it's a karate kid mention and it's not some indie flick that no one's seen, but it's someone trying to look cool by saying they know it. That's how I feel like our show is. It's the references are to Daniel LaRusso and <laughs> Saved by the Bell. It is not references, uh, you know, to the Florida project or whatever indie movie you saw uh, in, a, in, a, in a theater in New York, you know, at, at the, or wherever else, whatever song you, you got on Spotify. So, Pop culture is big. It's not over the top. It doesn't bang you over the head with it. It's not forced. And I feel like it's pretty organic and natural to the four hosts. And what we've learned is that people like it. They, they are in tune with it. And today we did something is that if you could compare Odell Beckham to a video game character, <laughs> what would it be? And it's, you know, it, Pac-Man's one of them and Qbert's another. It's not like it's here's this 2014 shoot 'em up game that, you know, no one else has played. We like to think we're accessible with our pop culture. It's not too inside baseball, not too in the weeds. You know, I know on uh, on today's show, uh, the uh, the the car versus Gruden, if that's any kind of controversy, uh, came up. But uh, I think about that a little bit different than than most people, and I'm sure I think about it a lot differently than uh, than the hosts of Good Morning Football. But but am I am I terrible for just being really sick of Gruden already? Yeah, because he's good. It's content. Our thing is content is king. That's what we say. Like, we like characters. I think it was USA that used to say characters are welcome, and Gruden says things, and he does things. I don't think, you know, the cynic in me says, you know, it's passed him by, and did he really ever have it at all, or that Tony Dungy's guy is like, we don't know what exactly, uh, you know, he's going to bring to the table yet. But to me, the more characters, the better. I think the guys that we that we love in the league are the ones that have personality, and Gruden is a throwback to a time when it was okay to have personality. So I liked Gruden in the booth. Like I, I know people were very critical and they're like, all right, enough of the, the Gruden isms and the quarterback camp. I thought Gruden was great in the booth and I know he did the work. So I'm excited to see him as a coach. And the Raiders to me are one of the most important franchises we have. And yep. if you want to get really inside baseball and sports media, CBS needs the Raiders, I think as much as any organization needs a team right now. And it's basically Tom Brady and then if you look at the playoffs this year, it was, you know, Blake Bortles. It was a Steelers team that didn't make it past the divisional round. Yep. The Raiders are a national franchise. And if the Raiders could be good again, that's two coasts. That's a 4 p.m. window that has a national fan base that CBS can really rely upon. I think the Raiders are important this season. Uh, I, I agree with you there. So uh, I, I know it's just some, something that's in, that's in the news cycle, and it's, it's probably never going to go away is my fear at this point. Uh, but uh, what is your take? Uh, not not personally, but like from the from the point of view of of what you think you need to 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 do both as a sideline reporter and as a GMFB host. Uh, what's your take on the uh, the new national anthem policy? Well, I think it's a very big story. I think it's going to be a story that um, certainly becomes under spotlight come preseason and come uh, come week one. It's interesting as a sideline reporter last year. A lot of times. Um, Fox would show and identify the players who were not standing for the national anthem. And I would come out and my opening report was, you know, Kenny Stills uh, didn't come out. He was in the locker room or 
I believe it was Stephen Longa for the Lions. You know, right. he took a knee. Like, and fans are interested in it. They want to know. So if there's going to be a, a mass uh, a mass mm. protest this year, it's certainly a big story. I, I, I do believe it mattered last year, both in the bottom line and in ratings. And personally, and I would say this knowing I work for the NFL Network, I kind of wish that, uh, you know, that policy was written with the players in conjunction with them. Yep. It wasn't, and we'll see how it plays out. But I do think it's a major issue. And oftentimes we're told, keep politics out of sports. Well, in this instance, the politics have been put into sports. It's affecting the game. And it certainly is a story going into the next season. So so I have a solution that will never be implemented but would work, and it is to not play the national anthem and instead play taps because nobody will screw with taps. Everybody will be reverent for taps. The military will be honored. And I, I, I just, you know, I'm just like looking for what's a solution right now that could be implemented where virtually everybody would be happy. And uh, I think that would do it, except that people, people would be mad about not being able to wrap themselves in the flag. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My wife's grandfather recently passed away, and he's a military veteran and decorated World War II veteran. And uh, they played taps, and it was the full-on military funeral. It was the first one that I have ever been to, and it blew me away. And yep. It's hard not to become overcome with emotion yep. and patriotism at something like that. W- would that be patronizing, or would that be um, exploiting taps and, and the, the formality of that? I don't know. That's a good you know, question, like, yeah. I, there are so many different ways uh, to take this thing. And that's a very viable alternative. Another alternative would be maybe Goodell and the owners aren't the ones dictating the policy and rather it's 32 players. And they say, okay, guys, here's a blank page. You guys come up with the best, best solution possible, put it on the players to make it however they want. And if they say no policy at all, well then, you know what, maybe we just deal with no policy at all. It's, it's an interesting situation, and it's not going away. And we will talk about it on Good Morning Football. It won't dictate our entire show. Um, but I was very proud of my colleagues. I thought Kyle, Nate, and Kay all had very eloquent things to say from different point of views when that rule was passed last week. Yep. So uh, tough transition, but I'm wondering, because we, we've talked about uh, your, some of your TV viewing habits, and you, you've added some more in today. Uh, what is your off season? Like I've got to binge on these shows. Like, do you have a plan like that? Do you have a plan for attacking, you know, media that you can't get to during the NFL season? It's difficult because I still have the same schedule. I'm still up every morning at 4 a.m. So for my wife and I to settle in and watch, you know, the Americans is a big ask. Um, the things that, the things that I have been watching, I like to catch up on all the 30 for 30s and all the documentaries. I'm a big sports documentary guy. So I saw recently, for the first time, the Andre the Giant documentary. Yep. I thought that was awesome. I thought the Ric Flair was awesome. Um, and then I'll hit up Netflix stand-up comedy. That's what I do. I like stand-up comedy. It's like an hour's worth of investment, and I like to laugh. So uh, I've recently watched the Sebastian Maniscalco one, and I saw the Ali Wong one. Like I'm your stand-up comedy on Netflix guy, but to really invest into Evil Genius or to any of these other Netflix or Handmade Tale on Hulu, like I don't have the time. And quite frankly, it's, it's, it's exhausting to dive into these shows for me at this point. So I don't know if I'll be seeing Arrested Development and I certainly won't be seeing uh, some of the sci-fi stuff, the Game of Thrones and the Westworld. That's just not what I do. So uh, you're, you're on record as being both a Big Bang Theory fan and I, I think you said you were a young Sheldon fan as well. Uh, those are I was into it. Yeah, those are tentpole shows for CBS. They get they get mocked and scorned by a lot of people, and I you know I always find it amusing because like if you look at the demographic of demographics of those big shows, 
more of everybody watches them, right? More smart people, more physicists, more rocket scientists, more doctors, more rich people, more poor people, you know, more, more unemployed people, uh, more of everything watch those big shows. What, what's your reaction when people give you a hard time for liking what you like? I'm the, uh, I'm the guy who also likes to go to the Olive Garden for lunch <laughs> in New York City, and I get criticized <laughs> for that. I like what I like. like I, look, there's nothing better to me. This sounds so sad, but when you're on the road as much as I am, and I go every week on the road, nothing better after a five-hour flight to throw your bag down, turn on the TV, and be comforted by something you know you're going to laugh at. Two and a Half Men, Big Bang Theory. Uh, these are my shows. These are Martin. I love Martin. Martin was my show for many, many years. Like, those are the shows I like. I have no apologies for it. Kyle Brandt, my co-host, made a great analogy. He said, Alex Smith is the multicam sitcom of the NFL. <laughs> like, it's not going to blow you away. It's not going to win the Emmy. It's, it's not Atlanta. It's not, you know, it's not one of these shows where the cool people are watching and blogging about. But, damn, if you're not going to get a solid season out of Alex Smith and know exactly what you're going to get, that's, that's kind of how I feel. I'm not striving for mediocrity, but I'll take a Modern Family or Friends rerun over taking a risk on a show that nine out of ten bloggers tell me I must watch, and then I watch it, and I'm like, all right, I'll go back to the to the Friends rerun. <laughs> I think I think that's good advice. Uh, so uh, I'll get you out of here with this. What are what are you know uh, two or three stories? Uh, I should and and my listeners should sort of be focused on regarding the NFL uh, between now and uh, and uh, opening opening night. All right. One, I think Brady and Belichick, whatever, whatever's going on there is fascinating. Yep. People have said that it's been over-dramatized. It's not. I feel <laughs> like knowing people around the league, there's a lot of curious folks to say how that relationship's going to go. And, you know, the ESPN article that Seth Wickersham and those guys did shed light on it during the season. But I think this offseason's been fascinating because Brady has not shown up to any team-organized activities, which is rare for him. And Gronkowski – hasn't been active either. And then Amendola, who is a beloved Patriot on the way out, had some comments about his time as a Patriot. And people are kind of now wondering, you know, is the luster gone with Belichick? And, and does everyone just bow to Belichick? Or after the Eagles put up 600 yards of offense and scored all those points, uh, is it okay to say, hey, you know, maybe Belichick's my way or the highway isn't necessarily the right way? So that's an interesting one. And the fact that Brady's personal guru, that Alex Guerrero hasn't been welcomed yep. into Foxborough, that stuff's fascinating. I mean, that's personalities. That is Game of Thrones type stuff. That is yep. great. Number two, I, I look at that NFC West. It's not been a glamorous division in recent years, but you got two of the brightest young offensive minds as coaches who worked with each other down in, uh, in Washington for your Redskins. McVay and Shanahan go back a long time. They've known each other 10 years, and they are going to be cutthroat as it comes. The final week of the season last year, I think the 49ers put up 40 points or something on McVay's backups. And that will not be forgotten by the Rams. Like right. you don't, you don't do that. There's a certain class, uh, or that might have been expected. And then meanwhile, the 49ers are saying, you know, it's good. It's an NFL game. We're ending the season on a high note. It is classy to score. Why don't you start your starters? So uh, that's an interesting one. Those guys know each other. And my last one, it's not the most glamorous team, but the Kansas City Chiefs to me are fascinating. <laughs> they traded away. They traded away a guy who's going to get you to the playoffs every single season, Alex Smith. And they say, we're going to throw it all on a second-year quarterback that no one has seen before in Patrick Mahomes, yep. who, Robert, I'll tell you, I, it, I'm going to give you this because my freezing cold take or whatever, but it is May right now when we're recording this, or it's June, whatever it is. Patrick Mahomes is going to blow the NFL away this year. This guy does things in practice and did things last year in training camp that I'm still hearing about from people in Kansas City. 
I think we're looking at what might be the best best young quarterback in the NFL, and we haven't even seen him yet. Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. I think that's going to be a cool story as we head into 2018. So uh, one more. What's the most exciting thing for uh, for your team there in New York, the Giants? Giants are going to be cool. Um, what goes on with Odell and Saquon together? But more importantly, uh, how is Odell going to be? He was injured last year, and then yeah. it was a bizarre bizarre few months i just want to see what version of odell we get because so far he's shown up to camp he's shown up to otas he's been been a boy scout and you know he might get he might get a lot of slack for it but a lot of guys weren't at otas and odell beckham was i think he's the most exciting receiver in the league so let's see what version of odell we get if he's if odell is odell and saquon is what they expect then the giants will be right back in it yeah that's going to be fun to watch peter a pleasure as always thanks for joining the podcast I love it. Thank you. Good morning, football. And yeah, I did. I did say some negative things about the NBA, but I gotta. We're a football show in May. You gotta be. Bear with me here, man. Thanks again to Peter Schrager for joining the podcast. He is a lot of fun for me to talk to. And uh, if you missed it, and it's your thing. Uh, check out last week's episode with Joe OBS from 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh. Uh, we talked how new tech options are uh, changing and disrupting the radio business. And uh, I had a lot of fun on that one, too. Thanks for listening.